Welcome to the Utah Podcapalians. This is a podcast of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah, where we look at our unique church in this unique land of Utah. And this today, we have some exciting news. We are continuing, and in fact, we've had an incredible resurgence of our search for a new bishop. And what a better person to talk about it than the Reverend Michael Carney. Now, he is the vicar of St. Elizabeth's in White Rocks, uh, Utah, a wonderful, beautiful little church. That we're gonna, I'm gonna have to ask him about that too, because it's such a great place to visit. And he is uh, directing this Bishop Search Committee. And so let's just get right to it. What's going on and how are we doing with the nominating committee and this just amazing opportunity that we're in today? Hi, Craig. It's great to see you. And I appreciate this opportunity to speak to people in the diocese and beyond that. Um, Electing a new bishop is really an incredible opportunity when you think about it. Uh, the Episcopal Church was the first church in the world to be founded on a democratic constitution. That happened in 1789, the year that the U.S. Constitution was ratified, and uh, we elect our leaders at the national at the state or diocesan and at the local level. It really is an amazing opportunity in the church and it's a big challenge and a big responsibility too. So we have launched again into that process. We have conducted a survey of the diocese to find out more from our members about a number of important questions that will help guide us in presenting ourselves to candidates and to uh, discerning which of them uh, will be the ones who will come and meet our whole statewide group and uh, stand for election. This is a, a unique selection process in that um, it comes from us in the diocese. Now, I do know that uh, once you and your uh, very faithful members of the nominating committee come up with some names that they do go to others and we will election will have an election and that um, before the person becomes the bishop other standing committees from various dioceses will look at those and approve them so um, but it really does start on a grassroots level doesn't it we're going to try to be very, very thorough in learning from our people in the Diocese of Utah and in getting to know these candidates so that when the time comes a little more than a year from now, uh, when uh, people here get to meet these folks and have a chance to cast ballots for an election, that they will know that we have really been thorough in exploring all the possibilities learning more about who we are as a diocese and uh, uh, discovering really, I know really gifted and faithful people out there who are curious about us and who are feeling called by God to come and serve with us. Now, I know we had a chat about a year ago, maybe even a little bit of a year ago, and we weren't very good at forecasting what was going to happen <laughs> in 2020. 
That's the one thing we kind of left out. We did very, very good on everything else we talked about, but then something happened in 2020. I suppose we don't have to remind people what that was, but what did that do to the process? And you, we are in kind of a resurgence of it. You want to bring us up to date with what's going on? Yeah, what a year it's been, right? Everybody knows that. Um, we first took a two month delay and then a longer delay just to let the pandemic play out. And looking back, we're really grateful that we did that. And it's not so much about our process as a nominating committee. The church has changed in fundamental ways in the last year. I mean, think about it. We've been able to stay connected, but we've had to do it in entirely different ways. And uh, a, a year ago, we couldn't even have imagined the varieties of worship that take place every Sunday in Episcopal churches on Zoom, on Facebook Live, and by other means. Um, and some of them have just been incredible. The uh, uh, the Sudanese congregation at All Saints Episcopal Church in Salt Lake City has had thousands of people from all over the country uh, attend their Dinka language worship services. I mean, that, that was inconceivable a year ago. Um, there's, there are ch wonderful children's programs like Trace Browning's Father Growley there. Uh, there's an online uh, there are online anti-racism discussion groups going on in the diocese, a big Bible study with the bishop now involving people from different congregations. And those of us who are clergy leading congregations, we meet with each other and the bishop every week. And that simply was not possible uh, in person, given the distances involved and the time uh, needed for travel. So, the church has changed in fundamental ways, and that's going to have a big impact on the kind of leader we're going to call. Uh, someone who's going to uh, respond to these challenges in positive ways, see them as opportunities to lead us into a different and brighter future than we could possibly have imagined last year. You bring up, again, you use that word opportunity. I love that word opportunity. Mm -hmm. This actually, I, I know we probably would have preferred not to have had the pandemic, <laughs> but the opportunity that we're not picking somebody who could have led the church in 2019. We're looking at somebody who will lead the church in 2022, 23 and beyond. And do you see this new type of church, and, and it will probably have changed almost forever. Do you see that as kind of a, uh, almost a God-given gift as we move forward in looking at things? Well, I absolutely do. And I know here at St. Elizabeth's and in other places too, we look forward to the time when it's possible to gather safely in person again, but we're not going to give up the innovations that have helped us out so much and opened up new possibilities for us. So it's, it's gonna be a best of both worlds kind of thing. And I think that describes what the nominating committee is going to do this year. We're going to create a profile of the diocese based on the information we've gathered in the survey 
Uh, we're going to invite our members into uh, online listening opportunities uh, where we can have conversation that will be input into the profile. And then we'll circulate that profile online in every possible way we can think of. Uh, we'll receive applications by email. We'll interview candidates on Zoom. We'll check references. All that kind of stuff will happen in the virtual world. And uh, it's so much easier for our committee members who are from all over the state. And uh, especially for people like me who are far from Salt Lake City to participate in all that. And of course, then, I, one of the, th the opportunities that came from the postponement of our process is that toward the end of this year, when we have discovered a group of, oh, eight or 10 uh, candidates who seem particularly interested and promising, we're gonna go on retreat with them in person. We're gonna spend quality time together. We're gonna hear them speak and teach and lead prayers. We're gonna sit around with our coffee in the morning and after dinner in the evening. We're gonna to get to know them as people over a period of a few days. And from that, we are confident that the spirit will be calling three or four or five of those candidates uh, to come and meet all of the people of the Diocese of Utah and to uh, be candidates for election uh, in April of 2022. And of course, when I said a God-given gift, I certainly don't mean the pandemic was the gift, but the opportunities. Um, and for those of us who maybe have been through a bishop search before, it really was um, something that you couldn't, because of our geographic vastness, we weren't able to meet uh, in these types of really, really good sessions like you're having in Zoom. So it really has created almost a change in the way that we look for bishops. And I applaud that your uh, nominating committee has embraced those and have not just tried to do the old 2019 model in 2021. Uh, so what are some of those changes? You say you're meeting on Zoom, you're meeting candidates on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And um, of course you haven't met any yet. I mean, we're a little bit beyond that process or before that. Can you maybe go through the process? Some of the things we can expect this year um, and the next few, oh, you know, 15 months or so, what's gonna happen? Yeah, I'll go into more detail, Craig, thank you. Um, starting about the middle of April, we're going to offer a number of online discussion groups or listening groups. When I say that, I mean it's an opportunity for us to listen to the people of the diocese in relatively small groups. Um, if there's a big response, we'll have a lot of sessions. Uh, we're very excited about doing that. By then, we will have heard an analysis of the survey results and we're gonna have some new questions. We're gonna to wanna to check out some of the things that we've been told uh, came from the survey. We're going to ask some things that did not become clear and see if we can get a little feedback on that. And from all of that and from gathering information about our congregations and diocese in the state, we're going to create a profile. Now, 
You remember, Craig, I do too. You know, that used to be a glossy booklet that you printed a, hundreds of copies and mailed it out all over the place. Uh, no longer. It's going to be a very public document. Uh, I say document because it's going to have media embedded within it, but it's going to get posted on the internet. It's going to be sent by email. It's going to, the link to it is going to be posted on Facebook. The more people who come to learn about the Episcopal Diocese of Utah uh, through seeing our self-presentation, which we think will be beautiful and engaging, um, that'll be great, whether they're candidates or not. And uh, as our consultant has emphasized, we're not looking for someone who wants to be a bishop. We're looking for someone who feels called by God to be the Bishop of Utah. And that's a different thing. We're a unique place and people, as you've been saying, Craig, and uh, the purpose of the profile is to try to express that as clearly as possible uh, so that the, the, the candidates, the, the right people will be drawn to it. Um, then as, as we were saying, we'll do all kinds of interviews and things that are common enough in the business world now to all be done online. We'll have that discernment retreat. And then about a year from now, uh, all of the people in the diocese are gonna begin hearing about the candidates in particular, uh, getting to uh, read their writing, learn about their uh, experiences as priests. And just there's a, there'll be a process of getting to know each other, sort of a, a kind of courtship, I guess you could say. Uh, and uh, as a way to discover what is God's will for us? Who is God preparing to be our next bishop? You know, you talk in terms of like months and years. Um, a lot of people that perhaps are new to the Episcopal Church or maybe are not in our church, which we welcome to listen and, and uh, thank you and thank God that you are listening to our podcast because there is a lot of transparency. We love to chat about how things happen. Um, people might say, you're talking a year? No other religion that I know of takes a year and even more to select its leader. This is done very uh, traditionally, methodically, and within the canons of the church, the laws of the church. Why does it take a year or more? We're looking at a long-term leader here. We're looking at a whole new era that's unfolding in the church. And uh, we want to really be thoughtful and careful and prayerful in how we call that person to serve among us. So uh, we, we have a wonderful bishop in Bishop Hayashi. We have been so blessed over the last 10 or a little more years. And uh, we, we wanna find another different, wonderful leader who can lead us for a good period of time into our future. And you know, a question that um, no one's probably asked you, and um, it's one that I just happened to be thinking about. I wasn't going to ask you this when I was thinking about our podcast, but it has just hit me, and that is you certainly are a very thoughtful person, a very prayerful person, and 
I just, as I'm sitting here talking to you on Zoom, wondering when you wake up in the morning and you know that you have this awesome task ahead of you as the chair of our nominating committee, what are some of the things that's gone through you? We know what you want to go through a potential bishop, but what are some of the things that you have personally experienced or thought of or use as your means of support as you face this very awesome task? That's a great question, Craig. Um, serving here at St. Elizabeth's on the Ute Reservation, I've had an opportunity to not just meet, but to spend time with and get to know faithful Native people with a remarkable uh, spiritual grounding and with both the wisdom of their Native traditions and of the Christianity that's been growing here for more than 100 years. And the number one teaching from everybody I know is to be thankful, to be grateful every day for the blessings of being alive and uh, uh, the opportunities we have to grow and learn and be of service. Um, one of the, uh, I've been reading about one of the great uh, Sundance leaders here in the, uh, uh, on the Ute Reservation. And he says, he said to our friend, you go to church on Sunday. I pray all day, every day. I'm always giving thanks for everything. And I think that's a great place to begin. And uh, it seems simple and obvious, but it's, it's not simple and obvious in our world today, is it? I mean, get on the media. Uh, I don't see a lot of gratitude there. And I think that's an important place to start. I think another, uh, for me, another thing that's really important and that has really been accentuated and reinforced in the last year is facing up to our challenges. We know that we have fallen short as a people in so many ways. And that's as true of the church as it is of our politics. And, uh, we really need to be reflecting honestly about ourselves, our practices, our history, and we need to really be prayerful and open in discovering the way forward to heal, to be more whole, to be more compassionate toward all of God's people. And uh, um, yeah, it's a challenge uh, jumping into this big adventure. The other nine people on the nominating committee are amazing companions in doing this. Uh, women and men, lay and ordained people, they're all just great. We have so much fun together. And when we have differences, we take our time with them and try to reflect on uh, what's the greater wisdom here that we're discovering. Uh, so um, that, that's, uh, that's some of what drives my approach. And uh, um, I hope that all of us can find our unique ways to be prayerful in meeting all of the challenges of our lives and in rising up to this opportunity. The responsibility of not just the nine of you, 
but it is also the responsibility in this case of all those of us who sit in the pews, or in this case, sit on Zoom to watch uh, our uh, services. But um, there's a responsibility for all of us too, isn't there? Yeah, and um, one it's very, very important for us in, in the nominating committee to uh, find every way possible that all the members of our diocese can be engaged in this process. So I have several thoughts right now. One is stay connected with your congregation. Participate in the life of the local church. Pray together, serve together, learn and study together. Have fun together as much as you can. Uh, that would be the first thing. Um, I've mentioned a couple of times that we're going to have online discussion groups, listen, opportunities for us to listen. Please be aware of uh, uh, how you can, whether you might be uh, drawn to sign up for one of those. If you're not already getting the newsletter of the Diocese of Utah, contact your church office to uh, help, let them help you sign up for that because it'll all be announced there. Um, the time will be coming, we'll be giving updates throughout this process. And as I've said, the time will be coming when there will be very active roles for our members in uh, making this selection or making this discernment of our new bishop. But the most important thing I ask you to do is to join us on the nominating committee in praying for this process process. And uh, I guess one more thing I can say personally is over the last year of the pandemic, it has been awfully hard for me to know what to pray for. But um, I have quite a bit of trust in God. And so I figure if I just sit quietly in prayer and put myself in the hands of God, something good's going to happen. Uh, it doesn't mean the pandemic went away uh, instantly, and it doesn't mean we'll have instant answers in our search for our new bishop. But continuing to pray, continuing to search for God's will, and continuing to just open our hearts to be led and inspired by the people who come into our midst, um, I know that great things are going to happen. You will be communicating with us. I know that um, um, other than things like surveys or other than um, uh, some of these meetings, we won't hear a lot or be see a lot of action, shall we say, until a year. But you, you folks will certainly be working. I know you will be spending every waking moment working on this process. Uh, and until you announce the candidates, there's going to be a, a period of time that there's going to be almost silence other than your uh, very faithful communications that you put in the newsletter. During that time, what do you hope, what can people be doing? You mentioned praying, but is there anything else that you are hoping the people of the diocese do during this time that you're all working behind the scenes in, until we see the reports of the survey, the, re, the reports of the profile and things like that. What can we be doing to, to assist you? 
Well, as I said, staying involved in the life of your local congregation is probably the most important thing because we've seen over the last year what a lot of growth is possible in a relatively short time. And there are so many urgent questions of faith, questions of justice, questions of sustainability in our world. Uh, all of these are urgent concerns of the church and responding to them on a local level is often the most effective way to really get some change going. So stay involved locally, um, uh, participate in a discussion group and keep on praying for the process. And uh, if, if, uh, if the past year is a, uh, uh, any indicator, the time will go by. It seems awfully slowly, but the, the, the year ahead of us is going to be opening up more. And I think uh, the coming of summer weather and the opportunities to gather outside and do things together, maybe travel a little bit, uh, the blessing of vaccinations, uh, it's going to be a better year this year. And uh, before we know it, we'll be coming around to uh, more opportunities for people to get directly engaged. There's one other pretty obvious question. Uh, and I know one of your um, committee members, Mary McIntyre, has written about it. And we've had some of the wisdom in the newsletter and online. But again, when we talk about what makes our church unique, a bishop is a big deal you know, in this church that um, we're talking that in little over 150 years of our existence here in the West, we've had a dozen bishops. That's not a lot of people over 150 years. And so um, you wanna emphasize once again that this is a leader who often serves a decade or more. Our uh, beloved uh, Bishop Hayashi has indeed done a decade. Um, how important is the bishop to molding what we will be in the next uh, 10 years? How important is that just to, for those new to the church or maybe those that just even haven't thought about that, that the decision you're entrusted to help make and our decision that we are entrusted to help me, how important is that uh, for a bishop to mold who we are? Well, our bishop is very central in the life of our church. I mean, the word Episcopal comes from a, a Greek word in the Bible, uh, uh, meaning overseer or shepherd. Um, the bishop is a spiritual leader, an administrative leader, the bishop has any number of roles. And so there, if you look back over the history of our bishops in Utah, they're all very different. Um, if we go back to our roots in the Church of England, the bishops were members of the House of Lords. I mean, we have come a long way since then. And what one of the things that will be foremost in our conversation groups, in creating the profile, and in talking with the candidates, will be to find out what sort of bishop would you be? How is God calling you? What special gifts do you have? And how do those match up with the, 
concerns and needs of our congregations, our clergy, our ministries, and so forth. So um, there are a lot of different models of leadership. People all have, we all have our gifts and our growing edges. And uh, the key to a successful uh, ministry of a bishop is a vibrant and engaged uh, diocese of people, uh, lively congregations with strong spiritual grounding who are uh, serving in their communities, that all of that will have a big impact on the opportunities this new bishop has to be our leader. So uh, that brings me back to just building up the church in every way we can will work together with the new bishop in uh, uh, bring, making the most out of our opportunities. Okay, we're kind of in the wrap-up time here. And before we do wrap up, um, I always like to include uh, Nick Cockrell, who is um, in our communications office and is normally running all the switches and dials and things to make these technically wonderful. But I like to always ask Nick, um, after observing all of our conversation that we've had over this time, any observations or questions that he has? Because I certainly don't have all the answers and I know you have the answers, but I don't have all the questions. So let's ask Nick, Nick Cockrell of the uh, diocese, um, observations, thoughts you might have. Yeah, I think the thing that has stuck out the most to me throughout this conversation is just the level of collaboration and conversation that goes into choosing our next bishop. And that's something that really resonates and we see throughout all levels of the Episcopal Church. Like, it just reminds me of a couple of years ago when I learned that the general convention, when Episcopalians around the world come to meet, that's one of the largest legislative bodies in the world. So to see that similar value set applied on our local diocese level in choosing the next, next bishop, I just really, that really stuck out to me. So that's kind of my reflections for this episode. And uh, wisely observe that I think sometimes we, we get so uh, tangled up in it that we, we should stop and say, wait a minute, this is what we're doing and what does make us unique. Thanks, uh, Nick. And, and before we run off, um, because I love the church you serve at <laughs> St. Elizabeth's and White Rocks, um, and, and you're right, it is probably not a place that a lot of people drive by uh, just on their way to the supermarket, like some of our churches. Um, yeah, we don't have a supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> In our last minute here or so, tell me what's exciting going on at uh, St. Elizabeth's these days. Well, I'll tell you a little story. We, for 13 years, we've had a wonderful children and youth uh, arts program uh, that helps them to uh, learn verbal and artistic self-expression and receive mentoring and, and just have fun together in, in good, healthy ways. And we've had to be shut down during the pandemic. And uh, one of our main leaders, Becca Gardner, our youth leader, um, was concerned about the kids who were stuck at home and not getting lunches at school. And she and her three nieces uh, all worked together 
throughout last summer and uh, back into the spring, I guess, when they began uh, making lunches to take to the families in our programs. And they uh, made and delivered over 2000 lunches to these families and uh, to get them through a, a transitional time in the pandemic until the school lunch program got back online. And uh, that's the kind of thing, you know, we wished we could have been getting together with the kids in person. They would have really benefited from that if it had been safe to do, but we found a way to be of service. And it was our young adults and youth who were spearheading that. And uh, the people who read our newsletter were generously supported that. Uh, so that it became, like you were saying, Nick, it became a real co uh, collaborative endeavor. We're really thankful for that. And uh, we hope that kind of spirit will grow and grow in the church as we uh, move on from the pandemic into whatever adventures lie ahead of us after that. Well, we sure appreciate it. It's been wonderful to have a chat with you. And just, it's always... Uh, inspirational and it's thought-provoking to talk to you uh, and of course when our churches do open up it's always a, just a good idea to take a little trip out to White Rocks and just look at the energy the excitement and the joy that uh, goes on in the services with the kids and the music and and all that that you bring it's it's a really fulfilling way to spend time and it's also a great and fulfilling way to spend our next year as we select a, a new bishop for the diocese of utah and that was our topic of conversation and we thank you for joining us on the utah Episcopalians, a unique look at our unique church in this unique land and i'm craig worth along with nick cockrell and our special guest the Reverend Michael Carney, Vicar of St. Elizabeth's. Thank you so much.